Our scripture reading for today is taken from St. Paul's letter to the congregation at Philippi and the first chapter beginning with verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what, I, what shall I choose, yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen us in our faith through them. Amen. Maybe seated. A few years ago here on our campus, we had a guest speaker that came, a doctor from Pakistan, a Christian doctor. And um, he was using his clinic when people would come in. One day a week, he would give free medical care to people. So a lot of the very impoverished people would come. Christianity is an extreme minority in Pakistan. Many Christians are persecuted. And he would use his waiting room as a place for people to read Christian literature. And he would have little, little TV sets going with stories from the Bible and so on. He would use this to evangelize. And many of his neighborhood Muslim friends or relative or neighborhood in the neighborhood were uh, very upset with him for doing this. And so they started hanging dead bodies of other Christians on telephone poles outside of his office. Can you imagine coming to work and having to see the dead bodies of fellow Christians hanging near your place of work. His life was so threatened, he finally felt a need to leave the country. He's presently in the United States, living in New York. St. Paul was in somewhat of a similar situation. He writes these words from prison. He had been put in prison simply for preaching to people about Jesus Christ that he had risen from the dead to give us the hope of heaven. That's what it took to get him thrown into prison. He'd been beaten, he'd been shipwrecked, he'd been stoned. He lists off a whole bunch of things in one of his other letters, things that had happened to him because of his faith in Christ. And living under that cloud of constantly being afraid that you could be killed, the, the reality of your personal death, I often wonder what would that be like? What would it be like, I hope we never have to know that in our, in our land here, to, to think that tomorrow I could get killed by somebody because I'm a believer in Christ. But he says in the verse right before the text I just read, he says, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Whether it's through me living for a lot longer in the world or whether I'm put to death. In one way or another, he's saying Christ will be exalted will be shown forth to the world as this wonderful savior. A theologian by the name George Steckart commenting on this says about Paul, he says, Christ sums up all that I am. I like that. Christ sums up all that I am. He is the true life of my soul. When I was a student at Mankato State University, there was a, a man in one of my classes, a young man that found out I was a Christian and I was planning to study for the seminary and he was kind of arguing with me one day about Christianity and making fun of it. And he said, ah, oh, Christianity is such a crutch. It's such a crutch to go through life believing in Christianity. That really bugged me to hear him say that. But 
The more I thought about it, he's right. Christianity's my crutch. It's my hospital bed. It's my medicine. It's my doctor. It's my surgeon. It's my nursing home. It's my grave. It's everything. Christ is everything for us. He has to be, because this world offers us nothing in the end. Christianity is a crutch. Lean on it. St. Paul invites you and me to view your life through Christ, to, to view your entire existence through Christ. He says, to die is gain. That, as if to say, for me to die right now would actually be to my advantage. And I want you to notice the certainty that he has about going to heaven. The absolute certainty that he has. There's no wavering about whether or not this is going to come to pass. He's firmly believing in the words of Christ, who says to his believers, in my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I'm not lying to you. God is the one who's declared your eternal salvation is accomplished through the work of Christ. When you have faith and trust and confidence in him, you don't have to go through life worried about that. You don't, you don't have to think to yourself, well, maybe there's something left I have to do. Maybe there's some qualification that I still have to fulfill. You can look at your death and say, for me to die is gain. I know absolute positive certainty because of my Savior and what he's done for me that I'm going to be in heaven someday when I leave this life. There's a lot of great things that this college wants you to have and possess when you leave here. So you can go out and have a fulfilling life and lead a, a wonderful life to serve other people. But there's one thing above everything else we want you to know. To be absolutely positive, to have the, sure, the, the sure assurance that you will be in heaven through Christ. God doesn't leave that up to kind of iffiness. He makes that a sure thing through the resurrection of his own son. And that's why Paul can look at his own death that could even come tomorrow, being dragged out of his prison cell, and say, for me to die is gain. It'll be to my advantage even if I get put to death for this faith. Back in the 1950s, one of the men that was prominent, a prominent preacher in this chapel, in Bethany's chapel program, said this. I like this. He says, the proof of a man's real attitude toward his life is his attitude toward its end. No life will have a proper perspective or attitude where the one possessing it does not take into account the final result and ending. So Paul says, for me to die is gain. To die is gain. He uses a Greek word that means to my advantage. Because everything is ultimately rooted in the empty grave of our Savior. So you guys are pretty young, looking at an old fossil like me. At what stage in your life do you start having a deeper longing for going to heaven? You'll probably find that as you get older and as you get up in years, I hope the Lord allows you to have a long life, should he choose that for you, that there's kind of a stronger magnetic pull as you go on up into your years in life. You'll find if you talk to older Christians that they're often referring to the fact that I don't know why God even lets me live here anymore. I feel like my life is done and I have, a, I have no reason to stay here anymore. But God always has a reason for your life. I, uh, I've maybe told the story in here before of during my vicar year 
There was an older man who was dying of emphysema, which is a difficult type of thing to deal with. It's a, it's a breathing disorder. And I'd have to go see him every month in this veterans hospital. And it was so difficult to, to have to, admit, to minister to him because he was struggling to breathe so badly. And he used to say to me every time I came, I just don't know why God doesn't take me to heaven. Why does God still leave me here? And I said, the, I think I've told some of you before, I said the line, well, maybe he knows there's a stupid vicar that needs to learn how to administer things to people in their hospital bed. He thought that was good. <laughs> that gave him a reason and a purpose for living. Living for Christ right now is how God wants us to understand our lives. Notice Paul says, for me to live right now in life is Christ. For me to live is Christ. Like Luther said, if the only reason God made you a Christian was to take you to heaven, he would have taken you there right from the moment you were converted, maybe from your baptism, or the first time you heard the gospel and believed that he would have just zapped you right away to heaven. But he's left you here for a reason. He's left you here and has a full life for you here on earth for a reason. St. Paul says, if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Now, you and I have not been called into the apostolic office like St. Paul was, but we've been put into a vocation in life, wherever you're at, that is just as highly valuable to God and ultimately has some way of benefiting his kingdom up in heaven. God wants us to live with that sense of purpose in our lives, to know that we're going there and the reason I'm still here and not there now is because he wants me to help others to ultimately get there. Those who truly love Christ have never had to be driven by him the way a slave is in a stone quarry breaking rocks. We're not driven by Christ as if working for him is a negative thing. It's a joyous thing. It's a wonderful thing. St. Paul, even facing the prospect of potential death for preaching about Christ, can still write and speak and preach with such joy in his heart. May God grant each one of you a sense of purpose about your earthly life, knowing that you have such a wonderful heavenly life waiting for you. Amen. Please rise. And we pray. Almighty and eternal God, we confess that we are poor sinners and cannot answer one time out of a thousand when you contend with us. But with all of our hearts, we are thankful to you that you've taken all of our guilt away from us and laid it on your dear son, Jesus Christ, and made him atone for it. We pray graciously sustain us in this faith and govern us by your Holy Spirit that we may live according to your will in neighborly love, service, and helpfulness and not give way to wrath or revenge that we may not incur your wrath, but always find in you a gracious heavenly Father. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go now in his peace. Amen.